Riot, Rainbow Riot, Rainbow Riot. Radio. Stockholm, Sweden. I'm in the home of Lars Fimmerstad, a gay author and historian. Lars is 73 years old and has lived through the modern gay liberation. From the pre-Stonewall era of secret gay sex in the 60s, through the sexual revolution of the 70s, to the AIDS crisis of the 80s, and finally the equal rights of today. Lars has lived in this flat for 43 years. It's all here. He's surrounded by his history, by gay history. On the wall, there's a picture of a handsome young man. Tell me about the photo we're looking at now. What do we see? There is my wonderful boyfriend in glasses, sitting at the grand piano with the notes, just contemplating and looking into the camera. That was him. How old would he be in this picture? In this picture, he would be 37. We knew he was infected, but uh, we didn't believe in it. We thought that um, there would be a remedy. As well as old photos, there are post-it notes with handwritten messages from Lars's boyfriend about everyday things. Hello, my little uh, beer cub. Uh, I'll be back in a moment. I'm just done shopping. When, when was that note written? 1980s, late 80s. And how does it make you feel to look at it? Seeing these things after so many years is, of course, extremely painful because he should have lived and we would have lived together. And it could have happened, <laughs> but it didn't. There may be some here today that will be homosexual in the future. There are a lot of kids here. There may be some girls that'll turn lesbian. We don't know. But it's serious. Don't kid yourselves about it. They can be anywhere. They can be judges, lawyers. We ought to know we've arrested all of them. In the 60s, being gay was taboo. In many countries, it was still illegal. In Sweden, homosexuality was still classified as a mental illness. This was the decade when a young Lars realized he was gay. There weren't many places to find someone, as gay men would usually meet at secret cruising grounds in parks. But towards the end of the decade, things changed quickly. In 1969, the Stonewall Riots took place in New York City, where gay people fought back against years of oppression. This was the birth of the modern gay movement. When the 70s rolled in, so did a new freedom, the sexual revolution. Tell me how the sexual revolution was for you personally. Wonderful. Wonderful. And also, what it meant was that you didn't live in a closet anymore. Was there like a, a gay life here in, yes. the, in the 70s? Yes, there was. Sex was easily available. I remember a dinner party I had. After dinner, everybody would undress and the professor would fuck the lieutenant colonel and, <laughs> and that was something just natural after dinner you would have a little sex 
At the start of the 70s, this new era of sexual freedom, gay-friendly places opened in Sweden. And when he was out one night, Lars met the love of his life. I looked across the room in this little place and I saw this beautiful Finnish guy with uh, half-long blonde hair and sculptural face and a perfect body and sweet, sweet, sweet with glasses. So we danced and we kissed, a mild, careful kiss. And then uh, we were together for 20 years. What was he like as a person? He was extraordinarily intelligent and fun and witty and sarcastic. And he looked through people. He could immediately tell whether they were good or bad, so to speak. And then we had an open relationship, sexually speaking, and we were sexomaniacs, both of us. We would have married, but in those days it didn't exist anything like gay marriages, not even uh, registered partnerships. Scientists at the National Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta today released the results of a study which shows that the lifestyle of some male homosexuals has triggered an epidemic of a rare form of cancer. The new freedom came to a sudden end when gay men started dying from a mysterious disease without a name. In the early 80s, they called it the gay cancer, and it wasn't yet clear how it was transmitted. It was around this time that Lars and his boyfriend began to realize that all was not well. Uh, he was obviously getting it in the late 70s, early 80s, and he had sort of attacks. He was sweating in fever. Something wasn't right. And they were talking about, you know, is it sniffing poppers, uh, you know, the debate in America, what is it? And then in 85, they identified uh, the virus, uh, so we knew. And at the time, that was a death sentence. And we made a last tour to Paris in the... Uh, uh, autumn in, 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 in 90 and he was having these fevers all the time and he couldn't walk stairs so we had to go by taxi couldn't go down to the underground sweating, sweating at night could hardly sleep, etc and uh, then when we came back he had to be brought to hospital uh, on the 13th of January he sat up in his bed and he said to me when one is so ill as I am, life has no value. So I've told the doctor, now I only want water and morphine. And, and the minute he died, and it was a horrible experience because we're sitting there and you could see, it started with his feet getting blue, black, and then you could see it crept up his legs. And then he died. And that was, in some way, the end of my life. I never got happy again. He was such a wonderful person. 
The AIDS epidemic changed the face of gay culture forever. The carefree hedonistic days were now long gone, and when the 90s rolled on, being gay could sometimes seem like being a survivor of a war. Nearly a whole generation of gay men was gone. And do you think AIDS changed gay life? Indeed, it did. It collapsed. I went to uh, in the early 90s. I think I went to like 15 funerals. There were funerals all the time. Best friends. And when you mentioned about the early 90s, that's when I was a teenager. When and when I mm-hmm. came out as gay, and for a young man to come out at that time <coughs> wasn't difficult. It, what we had was knowing that you're going to get AIDS and die. It created. That's right. It created a taboo. It was a death sentence. To be gay was a death sentence.、Mm. It created a, a taboo for a whole new generation. That's true. And, and coming out on the gay scene in the early nineties, everyone had died. I mean, not everyone, but a lot of、yeah. people were gone. The best people, and miraculously, I didn't get it. There were several friends that I、uh, and my friend had together. We were very free in our relationship. Uh, whom I had did everything with, without protection or anything, who died a few years later. It's just miraculous. Lars survived, as did gay life. Out of the ashes of the AIDS era came a stronger gay community, fighting for their rights. In the mid 90s, when I was 18 years old, we gained the right to register partnership in Sweden. Soon followed by equal rights to marriage, it all happened very quickly. And as legislation changed, so did attitudes towards LGBT people. Suddenly, we were part of society. New generations of queer kids are growing up today, able to express their identities without all the fear and trauma of yesterday. But are we losing touch with our history? One of the most common things that young gay men think when they look at older gay men in bars is, "I don't want to end up like that." Do you think that prevents us from finding our roots and understanding our history?、Uh, how do you mean end up like what? Well, there's always that sort of tragic figure of the older gay man, the lonely old. I know what you mean, but I, I'm not one of those. On the contrary,、uh, I mean, young men come up to me and said, "Oh, you look so fabulous." What's your secret to to being, you know,、uh, be old, yeah, and old-fashioned? They love you if you dress in your thirty-year-old、uh, tweed jackets and things. They love you. So you should dare to be old and, and yes, embrace old age. Yes. <laughs> how, old, how old are you now? Seventy-three. <laughs> At 73, Lars has lived through the most revolutionary decades of gay history: the discrimination, the love, the tragedies, and the victories. Lars's own life story is itself a piece of gay history. And what can we learn from gay history? Ooh, that hopefully things will be brighter. And you still believe in love? Of course I do. Of course I do. Friends, there are various kinds of love. Perhaps the sexual part of it uh, uh, tones down, but there's still hugging and kissing and a little bit of sex. <laughs> it happens.
Thank you, Lars Fimmestad. I'm Petter Wallenberg, and you've been listening to Rainbow Riots Radio. Rainbow Riot, Rainbow Riot, Rainbow Riot. Radio.